Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. John Siegel here with Don Callahan for the Inside Carolina Football Recruiting Podcast. Don, how was your Thanksgiving, man? Did you gorge yourself on stuffing and turkey like everybody else? I did. We actually had a what my wife called a Friendsgiving. We had a couple of our neighbors over. So it was it was pretty nice that we didn't have to be among the record-breaking crowd of people that were on the roads and in airports during that time. So that was good. What about yours? It was good. The family actually came over to our place over here in Hillsborough. So it was nice. And yeah, I was watching the news and saw that the travel was apparently just a nightmare this year. So I will take having the family come to my house any day of the week. I completely understand that. To go ahead then and get started on the recruiting side, the main topic, and I've been wanting to talk with you about this one for a while, is Peyton Wilson. It's a very tender, sore subject right now, as evidenced by the multiple threads on Inside Carolina's Tar Pit Premium Message Board. Basically, to get started, I'll just give my opinion. Sounds as if Peyton was not being honest with the coaches. He was probably also not being completely honest with you when he did the interview with you, what, two weeks ago? So, I mean, it happens. Kids decommit all the time. That's the recruiting game. I think what made this one sting, though, was how Peyton, on one hand, was apparently giving the staff some assurances. He certainly gave Inside Carolina some, you know, assurances there. And then he just completely does a 180, decommits, and then he's at NC State's campus for their game against the Heels this past Saturday. We'll start there, Don, but you are the expert. You know, what have you heard? Well, I'm just going to really kind of echo a lot of the stuff that you just said. I mean, I, I, I feel like that he um, misled a lot of people, including North Carolina's coaches and also their commits, because everybody I talked to were kind of stunned and didn't expect this to happen. And I think some of it, I mean, lying happens with recruiting every single year. And I think it was just surprising because he's such a good kid. This is definitely out of character for him. Like you said, I mean, we don't know exactly what the conversation occurred between Peyton and UNC. I have my sources that tell me one thing. I'm sure Peyton has his side of the story. But you and I both know what he has told us. And while we don't want to make ourselves part of the story, he came on a podcast. He was actually our very first guest of ours. And we asked him point blank, are you going to visit any other schools? And he said that he he didn't intend to, and that if he did, he would only be going to be as a guest of one of his teammates, which is something that's admirable, something that is done very often to kind of help your teammates get a little bit more exposure. And then I think it was a week later, 
he ends up scheduling official visits with NC State and Notre Dame, so which completely contradicted what he told us. And then I spoke to him, I think I spoke to him right after his NC State, a week after his NC State official visit. He hadn't taken his Notre Dame official visit, and he said he was just kind of reassuring himself. And he really kind of downplayed that there was any sort of concern or, or any of that. And then he goes and he decommits, I think it was the day before Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly. I think um, so. yeah. Yeah, and the thing that was surprising with that is if you were truly trying to reassure yourself and then maybe you found a school that you really liked, then it would make sense to switch that commitment. But it doesn't make sense to completely decommit and take a bunch of visits. You follow me with, with all that thinking? Yeah, definitely. And I just don't like what Peyton has said afterwards. He gave an interview with Rivals with Adam Friedman. Mm -hmm. And basically the sum of it, and this is what he has in quotations in this article, but Peyton said, I feel like I don't fit in very well with the school. I feel like it's not a great fit for me and my family to be at that school. I didn't fit in well with the general population at the school. I mean, if that's how you felt, why did you commit in the first place? Why go through, I guess, this process? I don't know. To me, I just think something drastically happened over the last month and a half, two months that has gotten to Peyton, in my opinion. And it's tough to say what the staff could have done differently. Carolina staff, I mean. But at the same time, this is a big time recruiting miss. I mean, Peyton was a four-star, high four-star kid at that right in the backyard. And to go from, I'm solid, you know, he picked Carolina over Virginia Tech. He was literally at every single home football game until he got injured. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, I never really fit in. I mean, come on. I, I don't really even know what to make of that. Well, I think some of it, I think we got to kind of almost draw our own conclusions with his quotes a little bit here because I'm in agreement with you. I think that he obviously saw the game day atmosphere at UNC and compared it to his trip to Notre Dame and compared it to his multiple visits to NC State. And I think that really, you know, I, it's going to bother some people that I say this. I think that that made the difference. I think that he just felt like it wasn't the type of atmosphere that he wanted to play in and that he could easily go to NC State or Notre Dame or Clemson or Ohio State and have, you know, a, a better football atmosphere. So that's why I think when he says now, I know that I know what he said, but when he says those things about the, the population and how he doesn't fit in, I think he's really kind of and, I, and yes, I'm making inference here. But I think he's really kind of talking about the football atmosphere and, and the, the game day atmosphere of UNC. Yeah, I agree with that. We've already gone on for a while here, and we do have a special guest coming up in the second half of this podcast to talk about UNC's recent football commit, Lassine Ture. So I don't want to spend this specific pod entirely talking about Peyton Wilson, but I brought up very briefly that this was a blow to the coaching staff. So that's a topic that I did want to talk with you about. So we can kind of keep that in the back topic. But I mean, it's a disappointment all the way around. But fortunately, the weekend did bring some good news for Carolina football with that commitment that I mentioned, Lacine Ture. So we will have that special guest coming up after the commercial break. And to go ahead and lead us into that, Don, let's say real quick background on Ture. 
Well, he's a he's a defensive end from Irvington, New Jersey. He's a three-star guy. He's a guy that visited a couple times and really liked it during his most recent visit, which was for the football game against Duke. And then he was kind of leaning towards North Carolina for a while and ended up committing over Thanksgiving weekend. All right, sounds good. We'll go ahead and then take our first commercial break. And when we get back, we will be speaking with our special guest. So stay tuned. And welcome back from the commercial break. As I mentioned before we left, we do have a special guest on. So, Don, I'm going to let you do the introductions for this one, man. Well, I am honored to welcome my idol, my mentor, Brian Doan, who is 24-7 Sports. Is it East Region Analyst? What's, what's your exact yeah. title? Look, look, I just want to alert everybody to the fact of if Don's not around anymore, he just got struck by lightning for those comments. Um, I know it pains you to say all that kind of stuff, but yeah, you know, East Coast recruiting manager, whatever you want to say. Good, bad, and different. I'm good. Okay. So before we get into Ture, I wanted to kind of get just one thing kind of out of the way. You made a post on Inside Carolina's message board about the situation with Marcellus Erlington, another kid from New Jersey, Don Bosco, another defensive lineman also. What can you tell us about him? Well, I tell you what, the best chance for Carolina fans to see him is head to the whatever hardwood you want to go watch him play basketball at because, look, basketball has always been something he loved. I remember being up with him in February at his school and him talking about how difficult it was going to be for him to give up basketball because he loved it so much. As it turns out, he loves it more than football. He's not going to play football in college. He's going to focus on basketball. Now, people will say, hey, what kind of offers does he have? That's crazy. He could have gone to UNC or Pitt or Virginia Tech to play football. And I get that. I do. I fully understand people thinking that. But if your heart's not in it and you're going to be sitting out there in training camp and busting your butt when it's 100 degrees out thinking, man, I wish I would have played basketball. You're not being true to yourself, and you're really not being true to the program that you're going to go play for. So, you know, he he doesn't have the glamorous offers that he did for football on the basketball side. He's more of a mid-major type prospect right now. But, you know, that's what he wants to do. You always tell kids, you know, follow your heart, do what you think is right. And he wants to go play hoops, so he's going to go play hoops. And if you remember – when Carolina and even Duke and NC State started talking to him about also playing basketball, it was non-negotiable. He had to be able to play football and basketball out of school. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with what you said about the follow your heart thing. And then when the kid makes a decision that you don't agree with, fans typically say, well, why is he doing this? Why is he giving up football? Because that's obviously his better sport, yada, yada. But to kind of move off of there, we mainly brought you on here to talk about Lance Torre. You probably have seen him play more than, than anyone else. So what type of player is UNC getting in Lance? I think the, the best way to describe him is raw, athletic. You're going to have a lot to learn. Long physical, you know, but for him, his brother, Komoko, played at Rutgers. His brother, incre- I mean, his brother is one of those 1% athlete kind of deals. He did not have a good career at Rutgers and is still going to wind up probably being a mid-round draft pick just because the switch finally clicked on for him his senior year. But uh, Lance is not as athletic, but he still has great length. He's got to work a little bit, flexibility with the hips, just being able to get lower, especially against the run game. He's a kid that's going to come off of the edge. Again, good length. I think you'll be able to drop him in coverage a little bit. You know, a very similar body type, if you remember what Dewan Drennan was like when he got to Carolina, another Jersey kid. You know, Therese bigger, obviously, but same kind of body type, runs well. He'll chase a play down from behind. It's just 
he's got to be able to disengage. He's got to be able to redirect the offensive linemen once once they get their hands on him. And, you know, I was at one of his games in early November where they were trying to pressure the quarterback. The other team had to throw, and it was the same move every time. You know, he's going to try to use speed to the outside or just bull rush, and it really wasn't working. The coach says, hey, Lance, dip your shoulder. Just I remember, third down play, dip your shoulder, get around the edge, you'll be able to get pressure on the quarterback. And he got, you know, he dipped his shoulder. He was able to come out of it. So he did have the flexibility to get around the edge on that. And he pressured the quarterback and, and it was a key play in a win. So there's a lot of room for him to be able to develop his craft. And then one of the things that's interesting is everybody knows Lance Torrey, Irvington High School. He actually goes to Nork Tech which does not have a football team. So he buses every day after after school to go over to practice at Irvington, to work out at Irvington. So again, a kid with a big upside, but it's going to take some time. Don't think he's coming in and all of a sudden he's going to go get six and seven sacks for you as a freshman because he's just not ready to play. And then to follow up on that, Brian, his coach, Smoke Pierre, actually spoke with Inside Carolina. And he talked about in terms of Teray's potential that he thought that given Teray's frame, he could add on possibly enough weight to even move inside. Is that something that you see him as well as potentially, I guess, being a three-technique defensive tackle? He, he could do that. And, and, and look, Coach Smoke is 100% right on that. I mean, the one thing, like I said, with Drennan, it's more body type, but Trey is further along in the development physically just in strength. He's 235, 240. He's a legit 6'5". So, yeah, he could do it. His body could withstand another 30 to 40 pounds. But the question then becomes, do you lose quickness and you know, six foot five, three techniques, you better be able to bend. And so there's a lot of those issues with it too. But yeah, I think, I think that's what you get when you have somebody this kid's size in high school. You know, if he was a six three, two 210 pound linebacker, we, we'd probably be talking about, can he play defensive end? It's just the way the college game has moved. But yeah, I could see him moving inside, especially Let's see what happens when he gets into a college weight training program and how much weight he can put on. And then can he keep the quickness and his agility? One thing he needs to work on is his ability to move laterally. And if you're going to add 40 pounds, what does that do to the ability to move laterally? I've got one more follow-up, Brian. How many years has Lance been playing football for? Uh, he, you know, his brother played only his senior year. And so that was a made a big deal. But Lance has been playing for a while. I mean, at one point he was going to school in Georgia and he wound up moving up into New Jersey for the last few years. But, yeah, football's been part of it for him for a while. I remember watching him as an eighth grader at a camp at Rutgers, and he always had the long, wiry frame. And I remember he came back like two years later, and I'm like, yo, what happened to Lance? Because the kid had gotten so much bigger and stronger. But, yeah, he's been playing it long enough to it. It's not The rawness doesn't come because he's new to football. The rawness comes because he's new to the technique. You brought up Drennan, who's obviously, as you mentioned, a New Jersey native. UNC also has Tommy Hatton, who's a New Jersey native. A couple other guys that just graduated after last season, Mass Mateo, Brad Henson, John Fronto, all New Jersey guys. Considering, I mean, obviously, New Jersey is is a state that North Carolina recruits. They have two coaches that are assigned to territories in New Jersey. But if you look at its proximity compared to a state like South Carolina or even Virginia, North Carolina has surprising success in New Jersey. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's a number of things. And, and Don, you and I had spoken about this in the past, just, you know, in phone calls. You know, I, I look at a couple key things. First of all, it's probably going to be about 30 degrees here tonight up in New Jersey. All right, that's where I'm based. So when the kids look at North Carolina, they think it's the south and a lot warmer. 
so they like the weather. Two, North Carolina has a great campus. You go down to Carolina and you look around and it feels like what you would think a traditional college campus would feel like. It's got a great academic reputation. And New Jersey is a big basketball state. And when you watch basketball, you see certain teams all the time, and Carolina is one of them. They've grown up with Carolina. Their parents have grown up with Carolina. And so it's already ingrained in them that Carolina is a different kind of place. And you mentioned all those kids that they've gotten, and and I'll throw Jack Tab in there for the ones who really can remember far back, at least when I started with Scout and then 24-7. But, you know, when you look at things like the built-in advantage they have, with all that stuff, when a kid gets a North Carolina offer, even if it's D.C., Connecticut, New Jersey, you know, Eastern Pennsylvania, they always want to visit. They always talk about wanting to visit. And I'm amazed at how many kids love it and, and how connected they are, just because, like you said, it's not even a neighboring state. It, it's a decent ways away. Um, I think from the, the southern tip of New Jersey, you probably get there in about seven hours. But I wonder, you know, if North Carolina really went hard for some other kids in-state, some of the the really high-end kids. I'd be curious to see how it panned out for them as well there, too, because like I said, man, when a kid gets a Carolina offer, it's different. They're excited to talk about it. There's built-in recognition. So I I think that's one of the reasons they continue to recruit New Jersey, and they've gotten some good players out of it. Ryan, you mentioned there are some of the higher-end prospects in New Jersey. I guess historically, where do those kids end up going to since, as you said, Carolina maybe doesn't get involved with them too often. Is that due to anything in particular? Well, I mean, they don't go to Rutgers, I can tell you that, because that's what they've been <laughs> fighting for 40 years. Look, New Jersey's unique. You can fly into Newark Airport and visit probably 70% of the prospects in the state within a half-hour radius of that. So it's terribly over-recruited. And where do they go? They go everywhere. I mean, shoot, LSU. UCLA, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, Boston College, Syracuse, Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State. Go down the list. Pick a school, and I'll tell you, yeah, I got a kid from Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma had a kid a few years ago from New Jersey. You pick any school, I'll be like, yeah, okay. You know, I think it was Chris or Matt Sims from way back, one of Phil Sims' kids, went to Texas out of New Jersey. They go everywhere because it's very easy to recruit. And then the other thing is parents have grown up in New Jersey before Rutgers decided they were going to make a push into elite, you know, the elite status of, of playing big-time college football, and you can argue whether they've achieved that status or not, but they picked to go there. So kids grew up watching every other program in the country, Notre Dame. I remember I grew up, I grew up watching Clemson and LSU all the time. So you didn't grow up with it, so now their kids don't grow up with that. And so that's why they're going all over the country, because parents wind up looking at different schools and, and following them when they were growing up. Let's move out of New Jersey into a much better state of Pennsylvania, which is also (laughs) in your territory. (laughs) And let's talk about Letty Brown, who's a kid who's been committed to West Virginia since it's been since the spring. Right, Brian? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He actually committed. I can't remember. I think the exact day, maybe like May 1st, because he did it after the Nike opening event in North Jersey. He did it that afternoon, whatever that Sunday afternoon was. Well, despite that commitment, he's made three visits to North Carolina and made one visit down to Florida, which at one point was kind of a factor, but that's, you know, remains to be seen how how everything kind of pans out there with the rest of their coaching staff, but is still interested in UNC. What can you kind of share with us about North Carolina's prospects of, of potentially pulling him away from West Virginia? Well, I would say, you know, Don, you and I saw each other and we spoke in June 
and we were on Letty Brown commit flip watch. <laughs> and it has felt like that for the past five months. He's committed to West Virginia. There is a level of pressure on him to go to West Virginia because, you know, Letty's on his third school in three years. Not not his fault. His school closed, and he went to his home school in Delaware, and then he went up to another school, and that was at Newman Goretti in Philadelphia. And the point of it is this. The first school he was at was coached by Dwayne Thomas, Eastern Christian Academy, and he had success sending some kids to West Virginia. David Sills went there. Wendell Smallwood, now in the NFL, went there. And there was a comfort level there. And so when Letty went down to West Virginia, he felt that comfort level. And Juwan Sider, who was the assistant coach at West Virginia, went to Florida. And that's where the Florida interest came from. But after Juwan left, there wasn't that connection that Letty felt when he was still there. Sills will go to the NFL, you would think, this year. And so there's not that connection there. But there's still that pressure from West Virginia. Hey, Letty's been committed to us for this long. How can you leave us now? kind of deal. That's where his coach, Dwayne Thomas, comes in. He's the one who has the relationship there. Now, Dwayne also coached Khalil Rogers, who I'm sure UNC fans remember, was at USC, was going to grad transfer to North Carolina. So there's a connection there. But also, Letty has family down by the North Carolina campus, and he's comfortable there, and his mom is comfortable with him there. But for whatever reason, he hasn't flipped yet. And we keep waiting on it, and it hasn't happened yet. And you wonder how long will it go before you just say, okay, he's going to West Virginia, or finally he flipped to North Carolina. Every time I think it's coming, it doesn't come. I remember speaking with him over the summer about it, and he goes, yeah, I think there's a chance that that's going to happen, and I'll hit you up if it does. All right, great. And it didn't happen. And I saw Letty play Friday night, and still doesn't have the visit set up for, you know, when he's going to get to North Carolina and really check things out, wants to get down there again. They're going to bring him into West Virginia. It sounds like December 15th weekend, which is when all the commits are there. So you sit there and you wait, and you just wonder, is North Carolina going to get tired of waiting and move on to somebody else? Or is he going to be the guy that they're willing to wait for because they feel comfortable there? I like certainty in life, Don. I like certainty in knowing what a kid's going to do or have a really good feel for what a kid's going to do. And four months ago, I had that feeling with North Carolina. And right now, I just don't know. I don't know what way it's going to go. Yeah, let's stay in the beautiful Keystone State for another guy that Don, you where, have a... where are you from again, Don? I forget. What, what state are <laughs> that's, you from? That's, that's, that's not important for this conversation. Okay. Okay. I couldn't remember. <laughs> and let's talk about another guy that you have a, a really good relationship with, Chris Bleich, who's an offensive lineman who's been committed to UCLA for a while, uh, also was committed to Nebraska, and has an official visit scheduled with UNC for the weekend of December 8th. He also took a couple other official visits. What can you kind of share with us about his situation in, in North Carolina's chances of flipping him? Because he plans on being an early enrollee, obviously that's subject to change, but that's his game plan as of now. So what can you share with us about that? Yeah, it's interesting. Just just so people understand, Chris was committed to Penn State first for a while. Decided he wanted to make visits. Penn State got tired of him making visits. I think the one that put him over the top was when he visited Nebraska and talked about how great it was. They parted ways. Chris goes out to UCLA in June. He has family out there, a fair amount of family. I had lived out there for a while, so I understand it's gorgeous out there. Weather is beautiful. Campus is great. And so he committed to UCLA, but still wanted to do visits. This is where it gets interesting. So he targeted four schools. UCLA, where he was committed to, still has not made his official visit there. Nebraska, where he made his official visit. Mississippi State, where he was supposed to visit for the Egg Bowl, 
but did not because his team went far in the playoffs. So he has not officially visited there. And then you mentioned North Carolina, December 8th, I think it is, and he'll be down there. All right, UCLA changed coaches. What I know from being out on the West Coast and covering the Pac-12 for a while and being out there when Chip Kelly was out there, Chip Kelly likes guys that, you know, offensive linemen that are smaller and can really run and move around a lot, get to the second level. That's not who Chris is. So you wonder what's going to happen at UCLA there. When I spoke with him two days after Kelly was hired, he still had not heard from the coaching staff. That's first. Then you go to Mississippi State, Dan Mullen leaves. So now what's going to happen there? Are they going to continue to recruit him when they hire a new coach? Nebraska's coach gets fired. Are they going to continue to recruit him? And is he going to sit there and wait? The only thing out there that's a constant is North Carolina and the December 8th visit. So if I'm North Carolina, I have to feel good about where things stand with him because you've known him the longest now out of all these four schools. And three of the schools have a new coach and you're staying there with them. And so for me, if North Carolina is serious and really wants him, is going to push hard, there's no reason in the world he shouldn't wind up at North Carolina. That's interesting to hear that he has not heard from Chip Kelly's staff. So I guess what I can infer from that then, Brian, is as it stands, Chris does not have a visit scheduled for UCLA as far as we know right now. Yeah, what I can tell you is when when he and I went back and forth late Sunday night, that's exactly what it was. And, And I know in talking to another family of a commit, Jahan Dotson from Pennsylvania, who's committed to UCLA, they were talking about getting in touch with Coach Kelly, and they were all set to talk on Monday night. So yeah, and you don't know, things change quickly in recruiting, but it makes for an interesting situation. This isn't where, you know, a, a kid is from, you know, Wilson, North Carolina, who, who's going to go to Chapel Hill and his parents are close. You're talking about somebody from eastern Pennsylvania going across country for school, and he has, what, a few weeks to make a decision and knows nothing about the coaching staff. Well, that one might go Carolina's way then. It'll certainly be interesting to see what happens over this next week because December 8th is right around the corner. And to go ahead and start wrapping this one up, Brian, are there any other prospects out there that you kind of heard some information about in regards to their being interested in Carolina or the Tar Heel coaches reaching out to them? Yeah, I mean, you're always going to see stuff, but I think one of the ones that's interesting to me is a 2019 quarterback, Jalen Jones, out of Baltimore, St. Francis, one of the top programs in the country. He was committed to Mississippi State, committed well before his junior year, loved Dan Mullen, then decommitted when Mullen took the Florida job. And so I checked in with Jalen. Probably mm, Dan Mullen took the job. An hour later said he's going to have to look at what he's going to, you know, what Jalen's going to have to look and see what he does. He'll talk about it with his family. Monday, about noon, he listed some schools that had gotten in contact with him and North Carolina was one of them. And he's really an interesting kid because he's a 6'3", 195-pound dual-threat quarterback who really, I mean, I saw him play this season and, and really glides when he runs, really elusive with the ball in his hands. You know, he made some unbelievable throws, and then he made some throws just where his mechanics were not in order. But then you realize, look, he's a junior, and so it takes time for him to go through everything. Just keep an eye on Jalen Jordan, see what happens in the 2019 class with quarterbacks. Because I think he's what a lot of schools will be looking for. And the question is, will he throw the ball well enough for schools to get involved heavily? And I put North Carolina on that list. Last question for you, Brian, is is this the first of many appearances on our podcast? Well, I would hope that it would be. But with you probably getting struck by lightning for the comments of the introduction and how much it pains you at the beginning of it, I'm going to I only speak the truth. 
<laughs> Look, you know me. Anytime you guys want to have me on Talk Carolina, I would love to. I mean, shoot. I could probably sit here and break down some women's soccer for you because I'm a big soccer guy as well. But, yeah, anytime you guys want anything, you need anything, reach out to me. Anytime you need anything on the board and you want an answer, DM me, you know, posters, DM me, tweet at me, whatever you want to do. Get in touch, and I'll get you any kind of information I can on Carolina. On a serious note, thank you so much, Brian, for coming on. You know, this has been really insightful, at least to me, and I'm sure to all the, all the listeners. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, we'll go ahead and close this out. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.